0: What kind of a day is August 23rd, 2023? Well, it's one in which another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement has been published, hopefully informing you of something you didn't know before. I'm Sean Tubbs, glad to sift through as much as I can to bring you as much as I can, as often as I can, because it is there. On today's program, as the public hearing for Charlottesville's new zoning code looms, a draft manual has been published to govern the affordability component brief updates from city council, including one on city school buses, and a decarbonization study. There appears to be support on city council to sell a small sliver of city-owned land on West Main Street, and Charlottesville City Council agrees to a new structure for how non-union city employees are paid. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, by now, readers and listeners know that WTJU is not run by algorithms, but by community volunteers. But did you know that the radio station also celebrates puzzles? In fact, on Saturday, August 26th, WTJU is organizing the second annual Seaville Puzzle Hunt, a huge cerebral puzzle that will spool out across downtown Charlottesville. The Seville Puzzle Hunt will take you and a team of friends on a wild afternoon, running around, trying to untangle five diabolical, large-scale puzzles inserted into the urban landscape. The opening clue will be read at 3 p.m. at the Ix Art Park. Find out more about this WTJU-organized event at SevillePuzzleHunt.com. There are 22 days left until the first public hearing on the draft development ordinance for the City of Charlottesville. Last week, the City's Department of Neighborhood Development Services published a consolidated version of three modules of the Future Zoning Code, which will inform how future buildings can be constructed. The zoning follows the general theme of the adopted comprehensive plan, that the city should plan for more residential density throughout the city. The zoning also follows the direction of the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Plan, which seeks to require that rents or sales prices for a percentage of units be permanently reserved for households whose incomes are below at least 60% of the area median income. At the time of the release of the zoning, a manual to govern that affordability was not available, but now that document is available for review. Here's the introduction to the 13-page manual. The creation of an Affordable Dwelling Unit Ordinance was a recommendation of the Affordable Housing Plan, which recommended new zoning tools to support Charlottesville's affordable housing needs through the creation and preservation of affordable housing units, that is, moderately priced units that the market would not otherwise build. There are two main tools— One is a requirement that developments of more than 10 units set aside 10% of the units as affordable. The other is a bonus height that is triggered if the affordability threshold is met. Section 2.2 describes the option for a developer to pay into the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund rather than set aside units. Here's that section. The in-lieu fee is equal to the average total cost per unit of developing a residential unit in the Charlottesville market. Affordability would be set at 99 years as recorded in a deed restriction. The zoning administrator could waive this requirement if the developer could demonstrate that any financial returns from the project would be invested into more affordable units, or if the project helped build wealth for the income-qualified resident. There are a lot of requirements to participate in the program. At the site plan level, developers would need to apply to certify designated units. Before a building permit would be issued, the developer would need to provide the deed restriction and in-lieu payments if they decided to go that route, as well as a plan for how to market the units to qualified households. Developers would also need to have a plan for how to administer the program over time. Property owners could not refuse to accept housing vouchers. Tenants would need to recertify their income annually. If a household exceeds 100% of the area median income, they would need to leave after 90 calendar days. The property owner would be responsible for verifying all of the information. The city's Office of Community Solutions will oversee monitoring and compliance. The city would also have the right to inspect properties. This is certainly to come back as the public hearing continues. Today is the first day of school in Charlottesville. On Monday, city council got an update on pupil transportation from the city's new deputy city manager for operations. Here is Stephen Hicks. We're expecting 14 school bus routes to be activated and three van routes with additional six uh, potential employees as soon as we get them on board and train. Uh, We hope to have all 20 driver slots filled by September or early October. This was the first meeting for Hicks in his new role. He had been serving as a senior transportation project manager before city manager Sam Sanders appointed him to the deputy role. Hicks is also a former town administrator from Front Royal. There was also an update on a study to suggest ways the city's utilities division can decarbonize itself to help the city meet its goals to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Council last got a briefing from the consultant Black & Veatch in March. And we expect a report from the consultant in October. This will be a preliminary report and we should hear the planned completion date at the time as well. Hicks said the study would also provide a legal review of whether Charlottesville would have the right to bar new natural gas connections in the future. Charlottesville City Council appears poised to swap a small portion of land with a six-figure sum, though at least one member has reservations. The property is currently a landscaped buffer in front of the building that houses Shenanigans Toy Store at 601 West Main Street. Chris Engel is the city's economic development director. In 1979, the city purchased this small piece of land, 1,141 approximately square feet, 15 by 70 something. Engel said the city is now not sure what the purchase was intended for, but the best indication was that it was for a roadway improvement. That improvement never actually occurred, um, so it has remained city property, but the city hasn't been taking care of it. Main Street West LLC has asked to purchase the property at a 2022 assessment of $119,108. Councilor Michael Payne said he thought that council had already opted to not proceed with the sale. Have there been any substantive changes between now and then, and and why is this item coming back to us after it was previously denied? Engel said it had been discussed previously, but had never formally been denied. Other councillors recalled it being brought up before, and Payne said there had been a consensus not to proceed. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook said if the city didn't need the land for a specific purpose, they could get the cash, as well as the chance to begin to receive real property tax revenue from the land. Engel said the property had gone through a departmental review. Nobody could identify any particular need for the property at this moment. Engel said the now-cancelled West Main streetscape did not even anticipate using this property. No one spoke during the public hearing. Councillor Brian Pinkston said he weighed future public use, but pointed out that the city has owned this land since he was seven years of age. We haven't done anything with it, and it's concerning to me that we have that the owner of the land behind is the ones having to keep up apparently the maintenance on our property, which is a problem. Payne said land is the city's most valuable commodity, and he did not support the sale. I won't pretend like this is the most important piece of land in the city. It's clearly not. But I still think there should be a high bar for the city relinquishing land that we own for clear public benefit. And we're getting, in the context of our budget, an inconsequential amount of money. Payne said the land could one day be used for a streetscape improvement, a bus stop, a pocket park, or maybe something else. However, there did appear to be three votes to proceed with the sale. A second reading is required, but it will not be on the city's consent agenda there'll be another chance to hear what councillors have to say. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, mark your calendar for the fourth annual Rivana River Roundup on Saturday, September 16th. Volunteers of all ages can participate in a community-wide cleanup across more than a dozen sites in the Rivana River watershed, clearing litter from rivers and streams. Registration for the Rivana River Roundup is now open. There's a link in the newsletter. Now, do you know of a trail, stream, or other accessible location in the Rivana River watershed that could use a trash cleanup? Let the RCA know by suggesting a site for this year's event. Just answer a couple of questions using a form on their website, and you might see your suggestion become an official Roundup cleanup site. That's the fourth annual Rivanna River Roundup on Saturday, September 16th. Registrations now open. Thank you to the Rivanna Conservation Alliance for this shout-out. One more segment to go today. For the past two years, the city of Charlottesville has been working on an update of the city's pay scale for non-union employees as an effort to modernize and stay competitive with other localities. Here is city manager Sam Sanders. For too long our employees have been in what I would consider to be a freefall environment where the best battle is how they get an extra pay increase and that is not the appropriate way to do this work uh, and it doesn't always it's not always based on merit. Council heard a presentation on the policy from Marianne Hardy, the city's director of human resources. The new salary structure includes approximately 25 pay grades. There's a 7% differential between each of the individual pay grades themselves, so it's consistent. City Councilor Brian Pinkston welcomed the new compensation and classification schedule. When I came on board council, there was just a lot of things like this. You know, having an employee handbook... Um, having clear standards of behavior and having a class and comp study. And uh, really, I see these are the kinds of things that are really gonna build the city for the future and make us a place where people wanna work. However, the new ranges will not come cheaply. This is gonna be very expensive. And that is part of the, the gut check that we've had to uh, to have at the table in looking at how far behind we have fallen and trying to do right by the employees. Sanders provided a rough cost of at least an additional $10 million a year in compensation to implement the study fully. However, he said the work is ongoing and more needs to be done before the actual schedule goes into effect. As an example of the kind of adjustment that he said would be required, Sanders said he would want to increase the salary for any employee currently making below the minimum for their pay grade. More on this topic as it develops. And that's another edition in the books, and I'm glad if you've made it to this point of the podcast. If so, you must really enjoy it, and I bet you are already one of the paid subscribers who really are helping this experiment in community journalism continue. This chapter of my career is one that comes after a lot of hard work, and I'm hopeful to keep that going well into the future. That future may not include an edition tomorrow, but it also might There's a lot I want to get, to, including more from the Albemarle Planning Commission's review of the AC44 process, more from Council's meeting on Monday, and who knows what else. How will you know if something is not coming down the pike? I try to update that information on Substack Notes, but I'm still not sure whether that works. Let me know. I do know you can also follow Town Crier Productions on Facebook and Instagram, but as a one-person operation, social media is sometimes an afterthought. However, this is the last thought of this particular edition of the program. Goodbye.